Thank you, guys. Um, we're going to get into the word. I'm excited about this word today. I believe this word is going to change your life. Do you believe it? Yeah. Do you expect a life-changing word today? Yeah. Let's get into it. Let's go to Mark 5, 22 through 34. Now, this is a lot of reading, okay? But that's what you came to church for, right? To hear about the Bible. So I'm going to give you some Bible today. We're reading from Mark 5, 22 through 34. And it says this, Then came one of the rulers to the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet, Jesus' feet, and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter's at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, so that she may be well and live. And he went with him, and a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. There was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years, who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had. And was no better, but rather grew worse. She heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garments. For she said, if I even touch his garments, I will be made well. And immediately, somebody say immediately, the flow of blood dried up. And she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned into the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? But the woman, knowing what, she, what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Today I want to talk from the topic of Great expectations. Somebody say great expectations. Now, I love the story because we see a, a number of people with expectation, different levels of expectation. We focus on Jarius. Jarius was the synagogue leader, and he had expectation for his daughter to be healed. You see, the woman with the issue of blood had expectation, and it was that she could be healed. But we often forget the crowd was there, too. The crowd was there. And as far as we know, we don't see any documented healings. We don't hear, I mean, maybe there were, but we don't hear about them. And it got me thinking, there's different levels of expectation. The first level of expectation is this. Simply having no expectation. No expectation. That's the mindset of whatever happens, happens. Or, you know what, that's not real. Or, I don't believe that could happen. How many people know anybody like that? Or maybe you've been like that in certain situations. Come on, tell the truth in church. All right. See, sometimes we know people that are just pessimistic, right, or just like that all the time. But we've all had moments where our expectations were little to nothing. How many people in the crowd probably were there just being nosy, honestly, like, I don't know if Jesus can really do this. But I'm going to see because they say he's healing people, but I don't see nobody healed. You know church people like that. <laughs> no expectations. We know people in life, maybe coworkers, family members, ah, whatever happens, happens. They have no expectation. The next level of expectation that I believe many people in that crowd may have had, and I want to just drill down here a little bit, are bad expectations. Anybody have any friends? Hopefully they won't be your friends like this for long. You'll go in and give them this message. That they say, things never work out for me. 
You ever heard this saying? If you expect the worst, you'll never be disappointed. You know anybody like that? Maybe if you don't, then maybe that's you. No, I'm kidding. Okay. They, but most people don't, no one starts off that way, in fact. When you, when you meet a little kid, none of them are like, oh, life is awful, right? <laughs> little kids are playing. They're having fun. We wanna be, I want to be an astronaut. What do you want to do? I, I, want, I want to be married and have kids. I want to be a fire chief. I want to be these different things. And then life hits them. And it starts to kill expectation. The word says in Proverbs 13 and 12, it says this. Hope deferred makes a heart sick, but desire fulfilled is a tree of life. What does that mean? I believe many people come into life, come into relationships, come into marriages, come to work with hopeful hearts. And they have expectations, and then they get deferred. It means it doesn't happen in the timing they think it should or how it should. What does the Bible say? That it makes their heart sick. Can I tell you what I'm learning as a believer as I go along this road with Christ? The biggest thing we can do is guard our hearts. The word says in Proverbs 4, 23, it says, guard your hearts above all else, for it determines the course of your life. That doesn't mean your cardiovascular muscle heart. It means your soul, your mind, will, and your emotions. If you can guard that from disappointment when it doesn't happen how you want it to happen, it doesn't happen in the timing it happens, then you may keep your expectation, but the moment you don't guard your heart, not meaning you put up walls, meaning that you say, you know what? It didn't happen right now, but I still believe God. I still expect something. Amen? Which leads us to the next expectation. There's good expectations. Good expectations are simply this. Belief that what's happened for others can also happen for you. Now, that was Jarius. Jarius had good expectations. He heard. It says he heard. That people, that Jesus was laying hands on people and they were being healed. Before this occurrence, there was a man with a withered hand. Jesus said, stretch out your hand. And he was healed. It was a paralytic man. He said, stand up and walk. And he got up and walked. Jerry said, if they can do it for him, he can surely do it for my daughter. And I have expectations, Jesus, when I come to you. I know you're busy right now, Jesus. I know there's a lot of people, but I need you to come heal my daughter. And what did Jesus do? Did he say, no, I'm really busy right now. You see, it's really busy here. What did he do? He went with Jarius to go heal his daughter. That's good expectation. God, if you did it for them, you're not a respecter of person, you'll do it for me too. Amen? Amen? But here's what I want to talk about today, and here's where I want to stretch your faith to. I want you to get to this next level if you're not here already, and stay here if you are here. It's called great expectations. Here's how we're going to define great expectations. It's belief that God can make anything happen for me. Anybody believe that? This woman had no reason to believe that touching Jesus' garment would heal her. He had never done that in his ministry. She had never seen that before. Where did she even get that idea from? If we know her story, she spent 12 years searching out doctors, not to even feel a little better. She got worse. She paid all of her money. She was broken physically. She was broken financially. She was broken emotionally. Yet she still expected Jesus to heal her by touching his garment. Because here's the thing. She was considered unclean. She shouldn't even been out there touching people. Yet she believed. You see, most people, 
after 12 years, heck, most of us after 12 minutes, <laughs> like, Jesus, that's enough. I've had enough. But how about 12 weeks? All right, 12 months? How about a couple years saying, God, I need you. God, I need you. Would you still be expecting of great? Not just good, but great. Something I've never seen before. Her expectation should have been none to bad. But she was desperate. And in desperate moments are often the opportunity for great expectations. You know, we talk about, I was talking to my wife about this, and we have some friends. I mentioned before, if you need some African friends in your life, I married an African because I needed a lifelong African friend. You need some African friends in your life because I was talking to some friends, and I was like, you know, we were watching these uh, ministries online, and, we were, and I was like, these people are a little over the top. They would come, and they would drop money on the pastor's feet. They would lay on the ground. They would walk three miles if they heard someone was healing there. These Africans would do all these amazing things. And also, you go to South America, you see very similar things. And my friend was saying, that's because in America, you guys aren't desperate. You're not desperate for God. You know you can go around the corner, there's an emergency room, you put your trust in that. You know that if you run out of money, at least, well, God, thank you for the food stamps. In Africa, though, in many places, if God doesn't do it, it won't be done. This woman tried everything. She got to the point where it said, if Jesus can't do it, it won't be done. Is God raising up some desperate people like there's something in your life, maybe something in your children's life, something in your grandchildren's life that you say, God, I've tried it. I've never even seen this before. But God, if you can do it, it can be done. And I believe you'll do it for me. What are you expecting? What are you expecting? Think about this. Sometimes when we come up for prayer and I believe in altar ministry, I believe in prayer. Many of us come up for prayer. And we're like, okay, well, maybe I shouldn't come up for prayer because, you know, I did have a couple drinks last night. Or, you know what, I probably shouldn't have been where I was yesterday. So I don't think God will heal me. Or maybe, you know what, I was just fighting with my husband. So I, I, I don't know. Maybe I need to confess it first, say a few Hail Marys. I don't know. Can I tell you something? Jesus, she was healed, right? You saw the word. He didn't ask her about her background. He didn't ask her to do anything first. He didn't even look at her. He didn't pray for her. Her faith made her whole. Her expectation. Are there things in your life you're looking for, but the enemy is coming against your expectation of what God can do? Great expectation is the breeding ground for great miracles. I'm believing God. After today, you're going to trust God for great miracles. You're going to trust God to get in your family. You're going to trust God in your community. You're going to trust God in your family, in your marriage. Do you expect it to happen? I'm going to shake you today. Then if you don't, I'm going to shake the, the doubt out of you in the name of Jesus. Okay. Three characteristics of great faith, of great expectations. Three characteristics. You guys Ready? I love the note tech. Y'all taking notes. It's, I love it. You know why you should take notes in church? Because when you get home on Monday, you might remember. But by Wednesday, when them kids then yelled and tore up the house and when work comes and all that, will you remember what I was saying up here talking about? Probably not. But will you need what I was talking about up here? When the doctor calls you and says, yeah, I know you came in for blood work, but the prognosis doesn't look good. 
Your auntie died because she had high blood pressure. Your mama died. Your grandma, big mama died. But God, I've never seen anyone without high blood pressure. But I believe, despite what I've seen, I expect that I'm the healed of God. Why? Because I connect it to the body of Christ, the blood of Jesus. The first characteristic of great expectation is this. Great expectation is explosive. It's explosive. Think about this. All the people crowded around Jesus. They were all touching him. That's why the disciples said, what do you mean who touched you? (laughs) That's silly. Everybody's touching you. But there's a difference. When you come to the presence of Jesus with expectation, a spark lights when you hit the presence because of your expectation, it becomes explosive. Her healing was done like that. There wasn't a hand laid. There wasn't anything else. A miracle happened like that. It was explosive. There's a story. When I was here, I was probably a pastor for just a few months here. And I remember I, I said, Let's pr- I want to pray for people who are trusting God for their kids to come back to Christ and to come. They're trusting God for something for your kids. I remember I was going through laying hands and praying for people. And the thing about coming up here for prayer, and I want to really encourage you to um, almost like alter etiquette, if you will. I invite you to press into God with expectation. And it's okay. You come up here like, Pastor, whatever you got, I'll take it. I got no expectations. If it happens, it happens. But I remember laying him. There was this woman. I didn't know what she was praying for. I didn't know what she was. It was about right there. I remember. Before I got to her, I felt and I saw this person pressing into God. I saw them pleading. I saw them pressing in for their children. When I got there, I felt like it was like electricity come out of me to this person, and the power of God hit them. You say, well, how did that happen, Pastor? Remember when Jesus felt the virtue leave his body? Now, I'm not Jesus, but here's what I am. I am a man of God, so Jesus is in me. Guess what? If you're in Christ, Jesus is in you. You believe that? That's why you can lay hands on the sick. The Bible says they recover. Why? Because you're so healy. No, (laughs) healy, that's a new word I'm making up now. That Jesus in you can heal. And you are purely an instrument. When I got, I didn't even touch her yet. I felt the power of God jump out. This woman hit the floor. And guess what? More than hit the floor, I see this woman with her children in church today. Great expectation. What are you expecting? What are you expecting? The second characteristic of great expectation is this. Great expectation is evangelical. Somebody say evangelical. Hmm. Mark 6, 54 through 56. Now, this is, Mark is like an action movie. Because <laughs> like one chapter later, there's been like 17 things that have happened. So this is the next chapter after this woman just got healed by touching his garments. And here's what's happening. Jesus has walked on water by this time. He's done a lot of great miracles. So it was like mass frenzy out there when Jesus came in town. And when they got out of the boat, the people immediately recognized him, talking about Jesus, and ran about the whole region and began to bring sick people on their beds to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he came, in villages and cities and the countryside, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and implored him that they might do what? Touch his garment, the fringe of his garment. Where did they get that from? 
Do you know there's people that are waiting on your faith to rise up? There's people that are waiting for you to step up and say, God, I trust you. You have cousins, you have family members who say, well, if God could do it for them, then he could do it for me. It takes people from no faith, no expectation to good faith. Someone had to be the first person to say, Jesus lay hands on me. All of a sudden, Jairus had faith. This woman with the issue of blood was, if I could just touch it, I've never seen it, but I believe it. All of a sudden, you have people lined up now. Well, if it happened for her, it can happen for me. I'm letting you know God has called you to step up in great expectation. God has called you to step up in full faith. He expects you to be his ambassadors of expectation. If you don't do it, who will? If we look like the world, who will? Look different. Jesus took the Israelites and he set them apart to be salt and light so that people can see what kingdom culture look like. That is true with the body of Christ today. God has set you apart as salt and light so that they can look at your life and say, that's what I need. That's what I want. I'll, I'll go to work and people say, how are you so happy all the time? How do you have a marriage that looks like that? Wow, you look blessed. How do you keep getting promoted? It's God on me. It's God in me. I have a great expectation. And based on that, you can have some too. Really? Yes, follow me as I follow Christ. Somebody give Jesus some praise. I'm not... <laughs> the third characteristic of great expectation is this great expectations are elevating. Somebody say elevating, they're explosive. They're evangelical, and they elevate you. What does that even mean? We're going to do a quick, let's talk about this woman with the issue of blood's life. Up to this point, she was considered by Jewish law ceremonially unclean, meaning that she couldn't go into the temple. Anything she touched, sat on, was considered unclean. Anything that she laid on was considered unclean. If you touched her, you were unclean until the evening. You had to go wash your clothes. What would life be like like that? How would people treat you? You can imagine, ladies, imagine a whole year of nonstop menstrual cycle. Imagine 12 years. Husbands, imagine 12 years. <laughs> God bless him. <laughs> I could imagine if she was married, doesn't mention if she's married or not, how would that impact their life together? Does she have kids? Does she want kids? Because then that's not happening, right? Think, think about all the stuff that's happening. She couldn't go to the temple. She couldn't go to parties. She couldn't go to a friend's house. She couldn't go. She wasn't even supposed to be out there touching Jesus. Then she paid all of her money went to doctors who probably mutilated her, honestly, right? Because back then, medicine wasn't what it is today. It says she got worse by going to doctors and spent all of her money. But she was so desperate, she was willing to break cultural norms and rules at the risk of her very own life to touch Jesus because of her expectation. This woman's great expectation elevated her from downcast to daughter, there are people who need, in this room right now, you got your church clothes on, you smell nice, you're smiling, but you came in here feeling downcast. You came in here feeling like a social outsider. You came feeling like, does God really love me? Because if he did, I wouldn't be dealing with this right now. 
If God was really true, would my marriage look like this? Why is my mom sick? Why is my son sick? Why did that person have to die? I feel like I am downcast. I am disturbed. I have, I have so many issues going on. But the moment she touched Jesus, it wasn't that he made her daughter. She was already a daughter. It's the realization that you are a son or a daughter of God when you're in him. What does that mean? Let's talk about that. You guys want to go deeper? Somebody say go deeper. Back in Numbers, this isn't on the screen here, but Numbers 15, because here's what happened. I was doing research, right, as a good pastor should, right? I shouldn't just come up here and wing it. <laughs> and I was researching, and I was looking at what do the theologians say? What do the historians say about this woman? And do you know a lot of them, probably most of them said they believed that she was just superstitious. And just and maybe if I can touch them, I can steal the blessing out. And that's why she was so fearful. Can I tell you, when I read that, that didn't sit right with me. I was like, God, that doesn't feel like what you put in my heart to preach on. Let me keep digging. I found out when I went into Numbers that when God made a covenant with the Israelites, he told them to put tassels on the, on, the, on the edge of their garments. And we put the tassel there. I want you to make it blue. And every time you look at that tassel, I want you to remember two things. I want you to remember not to fall into sin. Why? Because I made a covenant with you. You are mine. Every time you look at that at the end of your garment, that means that you are mine. When you're going through trouble, you're mine. When you're in Babylonian prison, when you go through the worst things of your life, don't forget that you belong to me. So what does that mean if you belong to me? That means that no weapon formed against you will prosper. It could be formed, but it can't prosper. Why? Because you're mine. You belong to God. You guys, you guys believe me yet? This woman had great expectation? No, not yet? Okay, let's keep going. Somebody said no, I feel like. Okay, we're going to keep going. Ruth 3, 7. We're going to go through the whole Old Testament and build it back to Jesus. Ruth 3 and 7 through 10. You guys know the story of Ruth and Boaz? Some of y'all are like, oh, I want my Boaz. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let me tell you what it takes to get Boaz. Remember, Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, told her, I know your husband died, which is Naomi's son, died, but you're going to be redeemed. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to lay on the threshing floor. And he gave her instructions. And Naomi said, I've never seen this before. I don't know what's going to happen. She said, let's see what happens. Some of us got to step out on, God, I think you're saying this. Let's see what happens. Ruth 3, 7 says this. When Boaz had finished eating and drinking and it was in good spirits, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet and lay down. In the middle of the night, something startled the man. He turned and there was a woman lying at his feet. Hmm. That'd be weird, right? He said, who are you? He asked. I am your servant, Ruth. She said, what'd she say? Spread what? The corner of your garment over me. Why? Don't miss this. Since you are my guardian redeemer of our family. She said, here's how I can be redeemed. If you put your garment, the corner of your garment, that thing that says who you are and who you belong to, I want to be under that covering. What did he say to her? The Lord bless you. Who? My daughter. Who else said daughter for the first time? Jesus never called anybody else daughter but who? The one with the issue of blood. Can, I, can, can, can we go deeper? You know that Boaz, Jesus came out the lineage of Boaz. So Boaz was Jesus' great, 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 great grandfather. And he was redeeming this woman 
who had lost it all. Fast forward 1,000 years later, Jesus is redeeming a woman who's lost it all. Just maybe, maybe she heard the story, maybe she didn't, but something jumped in her spirit that said, I have a great expectation that God the Redeemer lives. I need redemption today. How many people need redemption? Hmm. Okay. Jesus redeems us. Redemption is to gain or regain possession of something in exchange for payment. Jesus, when he died on the cross, you just took the sacraments. When you take that bread and you bless it and give thanks, it becomes his body spiritually. When you take the cup of juice, me and my family, we had, we were in a hotel, we had communion with water and goldfish crackers because we had kids there. We blessed it, it became the body of Jesus. We blessed that water, it became the body of Jesus. How did Jesus multiply the food? He gave thanks for it, blessed it, but in their hands it multiplied. That body of Christ redeemed you. It made you a son and it made you a daughter before you were lost in your own sin. But the body, the blood of Jesus, pushed you seated at the right hand of the Father, seated in heavenly places with Christ. That makes you a son and a daughter. Can I tell you what happened when Jesus called her daughter? He said three things. Number one, you are seen. I see you. I know you've been on the outcast. I know you've been on the fringes of life. I know nobody invited you to parties. You may have had no one to love you for 12 years. Maybe no one has even hugged you for 12 years, but I see you, daughter. I see you, son. Maybe you've been alone in life. You feel like all my friends are crazy. I'm trying to follow Jesus, but I don't know who to turn to. Your family turned their back on you. Maybe some church people turned their back on you. Jesus is here saying, I see you. Not only I see you, but you belong. I, when you touch my garment, this is a sign that I belong to God. And if you were under my covering, another word for garment is wing in Hebrew. We are under the wing of the almighty God. You are protected. When a woman gets under the wing of a man, she's supposed to be covered. Husbands, you're supposed to love your wife like Christ loved the church. A covering spiritually, not an abuser, a covering Financial protection, physical protection, emotional protection, a covering. When we come under Jesus, we are protected. We belong to him. And finally, Jesus said, you're mine. I made you mine. You're no longer just a woman who touched me. It is daughter. That means we have relationship. How many people want relationship in a deeper level with Jesus? Here's the last scripture. Do we believe that this woman had great expectation? I'm going to give you one more scripture anyway. Ezekiel 16 and 8, it says this. There's something significant about that garment. I'm coming to a close. When I passed by you, this is God speaking to the prophet Ezekiel. He says, when I passed by you again and saw you, behold, you were at an age for love. He's speaking to the people of God. This is God speaking to you. Imagine God speaking to you right now. Close your eyes. Say, God, I know you're speaking to me. He said, and I, and I did what? I spread the corner of what? My garment over you. Wow. And covers your nakedness. What does this mean? Jesus saw you at your very worst. God saw you before time. He saw you in your nakedness when you was acting buck wild out there in the street. Maybe some of you didn't. Maybe you just like to lie a lot. I don't know. It didn't matter to Jesus. 
He gave his life before you could make a decision for him. He said, I'm making you mine. I'm covering you under my garment, son. I'm covering you under my garment. Why? Because I'm making a vow to you, and I've entered into a covenant with you. It starts off with God said, I'm making a covenant with you. You didn't earn it. You didn't qualify for it. I saw you naked. I saw you when you were ashamed. I saw when you were doing at your very worst. But it's okay. You belong to me. And what does it say here? Entered into a covenant, declares the Lord, and you became whose? Whose? Mine. That's God. You became mine. You belong to God. Last point I'll make is this. Knowing your place as a son or daughter of God should elevate your expectations for great miracles. I'm going to say that again. Knowing your place as a son or daughter of God should elevate your expectations for great miracles. How many people here need a miracle of some type? Maybe for yourself. Maybe for your family, your children. Grandchildren. Maybe it's a neighbor. The first thing we're going to do is we're going to give you a chance to come into under the garment of Jesus right now. Because if there's anybody here, you have to be connected to Jesus to be under the garment. Does that make sense? Apart from Jesus, you don't have that covering. That's why our lives look like it does when we're not in the household of faith. It's good for a little bit, then you get clunked in the head, you fall into a wall, you keep dating the wrong guys, the wrong women, you take the wrong jobs, you move to the wrong places. You hang out with the wrong people. Why? Because there's no covering to say, no, 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 come back. You're mine. Come back. Right now. That makes everybody stand to their feet. Right now. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I want every eye closed, every head bowed. is moving right now. Jesus wants a relationship with you today. Maybe you used to have a relationship with Jesus, but you turned your back away because of bad expectations. It's okay. He loves you. He saw you in your nakedness. He saw you with nothing. And he wanted you. He wants you now. He's wanted you the whole time. I'm going to ask you to repeat this prayer after me, but I'm not asking you to pray it alone. In fact, if that's you, I want you to, every eye closed, every head bowed, I want you to put your hands up and say, I need a relationship with Jesus. I need a relationship. I want to renew my life. There we go. I see hands all over. I see hands. I see hands. I see hands all over. I see hands. People are accepting Jesus in their hearts all over again, maybe for the first time. I want everybody to pray this prayer and say, thank you, Lord, for taking my place and settling the account that I could not afford to pay. You took my sin. You took my punishment. In exchange, you gave me a new life. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose for me. Now, put me under your garment. I hold on to you, Jesus. I make you Lord. I make you my Savior. I receive you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 
for forgiving me of all my sins. I am a son or daughter of 